This is Steve McShane, running back. Welcome to XFL Extra, the XFLboard.com podcast. Ready for some more XFL? Welcome back to XFL Extra, the podcast brought to you by XFLboard.com. I'm your host, Mark Nelson, and this is our 40th episode. The XFL has completed their run of six player showcases. Draft invites are going out in an effort to build the pool of players available for the XFL draft this fall. On the same day as the last showcase, the league announced its eight cities and venues for the 2023 season. Gone are New York, Tampa Bay, and Los Angeles, as they have now been replaced by Orlando, San Antonio, and Las Vegas. Also, Dallas is now named Arlington. Exciting news for a football league, where play is just over six months away. In this podcast, I will speak to two guests. First, you'll hear from running back Steve McShane. McShane was previously signed by the Houston Roughnecks in 2020. However, due to an injury, he never had a chance to play in the shortened 2020 season. This past weekend, he attended the Player Showcase in Arlington, Texas, and he hopes to be invited back to the XFL draft. The second guest is Greg Parks, a well-known XFLboard.com correspondent. We will talk about the XFL's latest announcements and what was said and what we can read between the lines. We also talk about XFL player recruitment and what the XFL needs to do to put the best players in their rosters. I call this episode Optimism. It features two people who are relatively optimistic, one about a future playing a sport they love, and another who is following a group that is building a league full of promise. Are you ready? As usual, we won't waste any time. Let's get started. I'd like to welcome running back Steve McShane to the podcast. Welcome, Steve. Hey, hey, how we doing? Oh, we're doing good. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. You know, I, I had a great day yesterday. You know, I'm, I'm excited for what's next. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to sharing some of the stuff that, you know, happened yesterday. So I understand that uh, yesterday you drove up to Arlington for the to attend the XFL Showcase, right? So what did that tryout consist of? Like, give us a picture of what what that was like. Okay, honestly, it was just like a it was just like a combine, but not as many drills as like the NFL combine. We did a, a forty yard dash in the L cone, and then we did a, a triple broad jump, and uh, then we did like position drills and caught balls a little bit, some other stuff like that. It's basically just a combine. So it was all recorded on a computer system, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I, we should have the information on that computer system within like two weeks. It's on the computer system. I forgot the name of it, but it, 
and basically like um showed our like mechanics and stuff like that on so we had like a, a bad you know like a a bad cut on the opposite leg or you know what i mean something like that and if uh i'm trying to it's hard to explain it because i forgot the name of it you know i forgot the name of it but it's, it's kind of hard to explain it right so basically not it didn't just give you a time it gave you a uh, it gave you uh, certain uh, points on your performance as well, like uh, how how quick you were to make cuts. Yeah, yeah. Basically, the mechanics on how you react on you know movements and stuff like that. So I'm assuming coaches got to have a whole picture of you right now and and how and how ready you are to play football. I I really hope so. I got I got good information from uh, Mr. Mr. Mueller. Uh, he told me that I did really good yesterday, so you know I'm I'm expecting the best. Honestly, I went into it expecting the best, and you know I'm just gonna keep keep moving forward and have faith in everything I do with this process. So you've got a background with Mr. Mueller, with Randy Mueller, don't you? Yes, sir. He was. Uh, I don't know if he is the player personnel with the Roughnecks at the time when I was there. Yeah, but might have been just the executive or something, but. Yeah, that's how I knew him from the Roughnecks. Yeah, you know, I in the past I actually talked to Randy Mueller about you, and he told me that he brought you into the Roughnecks camp because you fit their offense at the time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We were running the uh, run and shoot. I'm pretty sure Coach Jones, he's at the Seattle team with uh, Mr. Mueller also now. So, right, we gonna see what's next. Yeah, exactly. See what's next. Well, it's it's nice to have that opportunity again uh, for for yourself, especially because you already had an opportunity with the Roughnecks, but it didn't quite work out, did it? I feel like it would have worked out. You know, I ended up getting hurt, but you know, the coronavirus, you know, that that kind of knocked a lot of things out of the out of the park. So I feel like it would have worked as soon as I came back from you know injury, but you right. know, I haven't missed the team since. Right, because you you got injured in training camp, and then you were on the uh, injured reserve list for the season. But the season was cut short, and which means that your opportunity was also cut short, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I haven't I haven't been playing. I haven't been on a, a roster since 2020. Right. I've, well, I've been ready to go ever since 21. Well, I think we I spoke to you in a podcast at that time, and. Uh, and you were ready to go about a year ago. But you're like a lot of players. A lot of players are in the same boat as you. I'm sure you know that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It was actually a decent amount of players that play either play with me in the XFL or I play, or I've seen them play in the XFL that were like, man, I haven't played since. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in the same boat, bro. So we got to you know, make the best out of our opportunity right now. Right. Well, it's nice to hear that you uh, made it to that showcase and that it's even better to hear that uh, Randy Mueller was was uh, interested in you or taking a look at you. So I hope that works out for you. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Now, you, uh, uh, like we said, you uh, spent uh, the XFL, short XFL season on an injured reserve list. Uh, you know, let's not dwell on that. That's water under the bridge now. But you, you're all rehabbed or you were all rehabbed a year ago, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, honestly, about a year ago, you know, it was still 
you know, when I did some of my cuts, it was, you know, I still feel it here and there, especially, like, after training and stuff like that. But, you know, I was kind of fine. I'm pretty, like, I was fine. Right. If I were to get on a, on a roster at the time, I would have been fine. Maybe would have moved a little slower than usual, but I was fine. Now, though, yesterday I felt, you know, I haven't felt that good in, like, three, four years. So yesterday was a was a good day for you. Well, that's good to hear. Now you went to that tryout and I did the rock. I'm sure the rock came out and gave you guys a motivational talk. Yeah, he came out. He did the intro, but they had so much, you know, the media stuff how uh, on like announcing the teams and stuff like that yesterday. So they weren't out there that long. He did the intro, came and talked to us, and I didn't see him the rest of the day. So I'm pretty sure they were at Texas Live, you know, for the rest of the time. He was preparing for that big event uh, last night, yeah. Uh, he did, uh, Was he was wearing a jersey 54, wasn't he, The Rock? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and he told you what that means? Yes, sir. Are You You are a player 54, am I, am I right? When my back is against the wall? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, when my back is against the wall, you know. I, I've been an underdog all my life, man. All my life, and you know, honestly, the opportunities now, you know, they keep coming more and more, and I'm like, God, just keep opening doors for me, and, I, and I'm so grateful. And I get, I got put in the situation, the adversity I've been through, man, it was crazy, and uh, now, you know, everything's starting to work in my favor. And I just had to thank God on every step I take for the rest of it. So everything that happened was was happened for a reason, and it puts you where you are now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's nice. One of the things they've been talking about is about the XFL being a, a league of opportunity for players like yourself. Does that resonate with you? Yeah, I mean, he said the X. The X is when opportunity, when when opportunity meets the, the moment. So you know, I was, I was just, you know, it, it's so surreal to me, man. You know, to, just to be a pro, honestly, like, you know, it's. it's Stuff I've been wanting to happen my entire life, and me getting the opportunity yesterday, man, it was it was a dream come true. The draft for the XFL is tentatively this uh, this fall. You're expecting uh, an invitation to the draft? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm I'm positive it will, and uh, you know I'm having my faith. You know I'm gonna keep moving forward. At the end of the day, I gotta stay consistent and keep working hard. Well, I hope you do get that invitation to the XFL draft. What will you bring to the XFL? Um, a mindset to win. Um, you know, I'm be a player that would be able to contribute for my team. You know, I'd be a leader. I just want to contribute and, you know, be the best I can be, honestly. You know, honestly, everybody going to the XFL, the, the bigger goal for everyone is, you know, to be in the NFL. So that's just an opportunity for me to uh, keep keep working higher, keep taking that Taking that step forward, it don't matter if it's sideways, at angles, you just got to keep going forward, man. And uh, that's the main thing for me. And to the XFL, myself, I'm going to have fun, and, you know, I'm going to do as much as I can for my teammates, whoever I play for. I'm going to do as much as I can to become a champion, be the first champion in the XFL. Exactly. Now, you've been probably been thinking about playing professional football since you were growing up. You played baseball and football in college, didn't you? Yes, I played baseball and football at Western Illinois. Honestly, the, 
thing for me, I wanted to, as I was growing up, I was really good at baseball first. You know, that was my first love. So I ended up getting to college and I'm playing both of them. And I'm like, man, I feel like I can, you know, go and do both of these, you know, at the professional level. But my senior year, you know, it was kind of hard to balance both of those things. And I feel like it was a little bit overwhelming at that point. You know, I was in baseball shape going out to Pittsburgh Steelers for mini camp, and it's just like, you know, I'm not looking up to par to be a, like as a football player at the moment. And I feel like that was part of the reason that kind of slowed me down a bit. You know, I feel like I should have picked one at a time, you know, and then, you know, once I'm establishing one, then move on to the other, you know what I mean? And then, you know, combine them if I can. But that's where we at right now. I'm not, you know, playing on this football field right now. I'm not thinking about baseball. I'm sure that having the Steelers invite you to their uh, mini camp in 2019 settled your decision on being a running back. Yes, sir. Running back and return specialist. I did a little receiver when I was there, too. But it was mainly uh, running back and return specialist. Right, they wanted that that ability in their camp. It's nice speaking with you, Steve, and I. It's good to catch up with you again, and and to hear that you're still on uh, on the hunt for a, for a playing opportunity. Yes, sir. I appreciate you for reaching out. So I wish you all the best, and I know fans hope to see you on a football field real soon. So I hope that comes to fruition, and yes, uh, we're able to see you get drafted and play with the XFL. Yes, sir. That's the move, man. I'm grateful, and I'm going to keep on moving forward. That's how we do it. I think fans can hit you up on Twitter. You have an active Twitter at Steve underscore McShane5. Yes, sir. And you're also on Instagram at Steve McShane5, right? Yes, sir. So people can follow you there and uh, follow your progress and, and celebrate with you when you get picked up by the XFL. Yes, sir. Well, thank you, Steve. Thanks, thanks for coming out today. Thank you so much. I'd like to welcome Greg Parks to the podcast. Uh, Greg is a football fan and has been reporting on the XFL with XFL board for three years now. He is also a wrestling fan and a columnist at Pro Wrestling Torch, pwtorch.com, and he's been on this podcast before. Welcome, Greg. Thanks for having me, Mark. So finally, we got some exciting news from the XFL, right? Well, I guess it depends on your point of view. Um, if you uh, were sort of spoiled by the previous, uh, not announcements, but the reveal by you know Mike Mitchell and Aaron Wilson and the folks who had reported on the likely cities before the official reveal and were hoping for something new and different um, last night, you, you might have been a little disappointed. But if you were just someone who is a fan of the league and just wanted to get past that step of the league officially acknowledging those cities, then it was probably exciting. Well, it certainly the, the predictions came true. And uh, there was a lot of thought that maybe the predictions weren't true. That's why they weren't releasing the city names. But, no, they did exactly everything that we thought they would do, except for they renamed the Dallas team Arlington, right? Yeah, that was perhaps the most intriguing, interesting 
piece of news that we learned last night is, uh, you know, usually when you are in a place like Arlington, uh, in an effort to seem bigger, you would take on the name of the the closest big city, which is Dallas. Dallas certainly has a lot more cachet. Uh, It feels more major league, more big time than Arlington. But instead, XFL 3.0 is going from Dallas, uh, which they had in 2020, to Arlington. Now, there was probably um, a deal with the city of Arlington in order to, as we learned this morning, use that, uh, use Choctaw Stadium as their home base in Arlington and use Arlington as their Uh, the league's base of operations, I'm sure it was negotiated into that, that the Dallas team would be known as Arlington since they would be playing in Arlington. And I'm sure the mayor of Arlington would prefer to have his city be acknowledged as that team. So I'm sure that's the cost of doing business for the XFL is having to take a little bit of a step down in terms of the, the optics and the name value, I think, of the city going from from Dallas to Arlington. Right. And the fact that they did the uh, announcement in Arlington in a, a pretty glitzy announcement, re- relatively speaking, far more put on than any announcement I've seen of any XFL so far. Yes. And what I realized today uh, with the announcement that Arlington would be the home base and the practice hub and all, everything like that, that was the first real press conference that the XFL had held under new ownership. And if we remember back to the previous iteration of the XFL, I mean, they, there was press conferences to announce the cities. There were press conferences to announce the head coaches. I mean, there were a lot of press conferences that Oliver Luck held. And this was the first real one under this new ownership. You know, the head coaches were revealed on ESPN. Um, the cities were announced at a town hall event the night before. But this was the first real press conference that that uh, the league has held. Do you think we're in for more of that type of uh, reveal? I don't know. It doesn't seem to be the M.O. of this ownership. They like to push out that news in different ways than the traditional press conference. So, uh, you know, what what else do we have to uh, throw out there? We've got the schedule at some point. We've got the draft at some point. We've got uh, the team nicknames and logos and color schemes. None of those really scream to me traditional press conference. Uh, And all the major executives have been hired. So you wouldn't, you know, it's not like they're hiring a president and they would have a traditional press conference set up for that. So I don't see that being the norm going forward. Right. Okay. Now, uh, last night during the the town hall, uh, you and I were both watching the live stream and and, and look at watching the numbers. Now, the numbers maxed out around thirty four hundred viewers. And then once they revealed the cities, they slipped back under 2,500 and, and kind of just hung around there or maybe even lower um, for the rest of the press conference. Now, is that the kind of uptake that the XFL expected, do you think? It's hard to know. There's there's no real comparison point for us to use. Uh, so I'm not sure if those numbers are good, if they're bad, if they are what the XFL was expecting, uh, or even if the XFL had a number in mind, you know, I don't know how important it was for them to get a lot of viewers on YouTube. I think it was probably more important for them to get people into the Texas live setting uh, that they held the town hall at. And uh, from what they showed, it seemed like a pretty good turnout. Uh, Lots of Dallas renegade 
powder blue in the audience. So um, that was a good sign. So I'm not really sure. I, I have no reference point to go off of to, to know if that's a good sign or not. I think it's probably pretty predictable that there was a significant drop off of fans once the cities were announced. That was the major announcement that the XFL built this town hall event around, especially once they went off. Uh, you know, they didn't air the Q&A on the live stream. So, um, you know, there wasn't a need for fans to stick around for that. So it's not surprising that the numbers dropped off the way they did after cities were announced. And I'm not sure what numbers the XFL were, was really looking for in terms of turnout for fans watching. And, and the other thing is, I don't know if fans watching on XFL.com were counted in the because, I mean, you could go to YouTube and go to the XFL's YouTube page and watch. And you were certainly counted there because you could see the counter. Now, if you were watching on XFL.com with the YouTube link embedded in there, I'm not sure if you you counted toward those viewers on the YouTube page. So there's that to take into account, too. Oh, well, very good point. Very good point. I guess uh, the amount of viewers, it is what it is. Uh, but I can tell you, it's something that both you and I watch, I know we do together, is how much media coverage the XFL got from that town hall. And they did get significant media coverage in, in some places that are important to them, didn't they? Well, the, the most important media coverage to get from that is the local media, right? Because this is the start of the XFL trying to take hold in those local markets. They put season ticket deposits on sale last night as well, uh, which was a smart move. You needed to get that up and running. So the more the media picked up on that, the local media, uh, the more chance that they had to sort of draw in those season ticket holders to apply for those deposits on xfl.com slash tickets. So the real most important, I mean, national media picked up on it, ESPN, Pro Football Talk, all the right. usual suspects, the mainstream sports media picked up on it. But I think the most important was really getting that foothold in the city because the XFL had played this very close to the vest. They were not uh, revealing the cities, even when uh, cities wanted to cover the showcases. And they, you know, the, the question was, you know, the, the local market said, we'll cover this showcase if you tell us if we're getting a team. And they wouldn't, the, the league would not tell them that. So they ended up not covering the showcases. So they played it real close to the vest. And this is really the beginning of going hard in the local media. And, and they're, they've got a lot of work to do over the next several months to ingratiate the league with that local media and be involved to the point that people in those cities know about the league. They know that the league is returning and that people are interested in not only watching, but buying tickets. I think the XFL, is, as we know, as of today, their plan is not to house the teams in the local markets, but they're, but to travel to the local market to play, which means the presence of the team might be a little stunted in the local market. But the fact that they're going to be playing in those cities, in the stadium, in those cities, as opposed to how the USFL didn't make it to the uh, home cities, uh, I think 
it'll, it's a big deal for those cities to be getting those those teams to be playing there, isn't it? Yeah, certainly it's more important to me and I think to most fans that the XFL is playing in those home cities. Practicing there is important. Being a part of the local culture is important. But I think if I had to trade off, I would prefer that they played um, in those those local cities, especially as opposed to, as you said, the alternative which the USFL did this year, which was playing in a centralized hub, not being in that city at all. Um, that's very difficult for the local fan bases to really attach themselves to these teams. And so, you know, it feels like a half measure, right? And and in the press release that was put out today, uh, the league did make it a point to to mention that overtures would be made to make the players available to in those local communities with the local media. So it seemed like they acknowledged one of the criticisms of the model that they're using, that they the players mm-hmm. and the teams will be absent save for game day in those cities. And it looks like they're going to try to kind of work with those cities and make these players available in some fashion. We don't know what form that's going to take, but I think that line in the press release today is an acknowledgement that, you know, this is not maybe the ideal situation, but we're still going to try and make it work. Sure. You know, obviously they can, uh, they're a team of uh, that promotes innovation. They could always uh, live cast some of the team practices in Arlington and then uh, finish off uh, a, a pre-game practice, remote practice, with a Skype session with players and coaches. And so many interviews, um, you know, not only ones that are televised on local TV, but also ones done for, for print media are done over Zoom or Skype these days anyway. Right. Um, it, it, it's that aspect of it is not a complete change. And, you know, if you remember XFL 2020, uh, they had training camp in the centralized location mm-hmm. in Houston as well. So you would like, you know, training camp, we, we've seen with the NFL that training camp is an opportunity for local fans to really get a front row seat in their team, you know, get autographs, get those player interviews for local media. Um, but XFL 2020 didn't even have that. And for as much as we laud um, a lot of the things that the XFL 2020 did, um, XFL 2023 isn't going to be different in terms of that. I would like to see at some point uh, training camp being held in these cities, because I think it is a really good way, as the NFL has shown, to foster the relationship between the communities and the the players and the teams. But, you know, even XFL 2020 didn't have that. Right. So XFL 2023 can certainly do it and, and succeed in it, as long as they put their minds to it. Now, talking about the fans, uh, there was a promise uh, in the town hall yesterday that The Rock and Gar- Danny Garcia both mentioned the ability for fans to contribute to the XFL in the coming next two weeks. And they left it at that. Uh, So is there any idea what they may be referring to? You know, the only thing, and I saw this pop up on social media quite a bit last night, is thinking that maybe fans would play a part in choosing team nicknames, team logos, team colors, Mm -hmm. something to that effect. Um, there was also the idea that maybe the rule book would be influenced by fan participation, although 
Um, according to Danny Garcia in the media scrum today, um, thanks to the Mark cast, they, they were there and asked this question. Um, Danny Garcia said that uh, the rule book is basically done. And, and so there's mm-hmm. going to be a few tweaks, but uh, largely the rules of XFL 2020 will be intact. So it doesn't sound like that is going to be where fans are going to be playing a part. So I, I'm not sure what that really means. Um, it's sort of like what she talked about last night with, you know, XFL fans will not just watch the game. They'll experience it. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, um, it, it does seem kind of like. Uh, business speak and jargon a little bit, but we'll 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 see what that ends up meaning uh, once games are played. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of that, and uh, you know what, I'm I'm willing to accept it um, and sit back and say, well, show me what you're going to do, and yep. and uh, look at the uh, optimistically that this is going to be something cool that I'm going to be interested in. Now, uh, The Rock also said they're working on new logos for the teams. I can't imagine them building new logos for all the teams, maybe tweaking some of the logos. Now, what do you think is going to happen there? How far will they go? I really go back and forth on this. I think there is some evidence out there that uh, the the logos, or at least the team names from 2020, some, if not all, will stick. And then you hear things like The Rock saying in the press release last night um, that, or at least the ESPN.com story, I think, that uh, they're coming up with new logos and stuff like that. So I, I really go back and forth on that. There's there's a lot of, a lot of evidence uh, and conjecture and speculation both ways. So I don't really have strong feelings either way on it about what I think they're going to end up doing. Yeah, well, you know, neither, neither do I, but uh, you know what? They can do whatever they want to do as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I mean, a lot of uh, fans, uh, spe- even especially the ones in the XFL board discussion forums, um, have pointed out that they bought a product. So why do, would they spend more money changing that product? So, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a good point, but mm-hmm. I'll leave it up to The Rock to do what he has to do. Uh, the Rock and Danny Garcia, of course. Now, the coach graphics that they showed had some familiar colors as backgrounds. For example, Bob Stoops' graphic had a Renegades blue background. (laughs) Is that a hint that there will be some colors that will be retained by the league? It would be odd for those to be used randomly. And it certainly didn't feel random because it just so happened that all of the franchises that are returning had their 2020 colors as the background. I don't right. think it's hard to imagine that's a coincidence. Um, so it may be a teaser, you know, Danny Garcia and to a lesser extent, Dwayne Johnson in a lot of the buildup to some of these reveals have liked planting seeds, have liked using social media to tease XFL fans with news they have coming up. So this would sort of be par for the course based on how they've built league announcements in the past. Right. The teaser model that we're, we're used to seeing. Uh, I still want to know what Danny Garcia had in that box, but uh, we'll just leave that alone. <laughs> I'm sure one day I might see what was in the box that she teased us with uh, the XFL box on her shelf. Uh, now, the uh, with the speaking of the coaches, now, when they brought the coaches out for the town hall, it was kind of obvious they had the coaches up on stage and they, with some maybe forced banter, but they were bantering, but it seemed like they were brought up there just to banter with each other. 
and to give us a chance to see their personalities and maybe fall in love with them, especially fans in cities that now knew who the head coach was for that city. Did that hit the mark for you? Not really. <laughs> um, and, and I get kind of what they're going for, because as I wrote in my piece on XFL board, you know, where I mm-hmm. analyzed and, and wrote up the event um, of last night, I think that the fans in these local markets are, or I think the XFL is going to use the name value of their head coaches to sort of draw in some of the fans in those local markets, because inevitably those head coaches based on their extensive coaching or playing resumes are going to have a lot more name value than the players, at least at first. So to get an idea, to get an idea of, as you said, the personalities of these coaches uh, to see how playful they can be, you know, that that's going to be a big selling point. And I think the head coaches are probably going to do a lot of media in their home cities uh, and use the name value of these 10, 12 year NFL veterans that, you know, college football hall of famers, pro football hall of famers, pro bowlers, the extensive playing resume that so many of these guys have to really draw the interest at first until the brands can be established until the players in these cities can be established. So I think that's kind of what they were going for last night, but um, you know, it it really didn't do much for me. Yeah, I I agree. But I, I see what you're saying though, to help build uh, the following for these teams in, in those markets, they, you know, the one way to do it would be to promote that head coach as being a certain type of person and that people like will like them and want to go to the games because they have no players to promote right now so you promote the head coach i see what you're saying and i think that's smart you know the last xfl did that uh they did that but they i think this xfl is trying to up the ante and try to do it even with even more gusto yeah and, and you know the the xfl 2020 had some really good coaches but they didn't necessarily have the name value and the the name recognition that a lot of the coaches of XFL 2023 had. And right. you know, you lose some experience by going the direction that the new ownership has gone with a lot of inexperienced um coaches or coaches who just don't have that experience at the head coach level, but what you're gaining is that name value that um you know, for for most of these guys they can use in these cities to kind of drum up interest in the teams exactly yeah so um, i mean kudos to them for doing that uh you know and i think i think there'll be some benefit they will work to a certain point uh you know in 2020 they had bob stoops so everything was bob stoops this and bob stoops Mm -hmm. that uh because he had such a a record Mm -hmm. and he was well known and well liked uh but over in tampa bay they had mark trestman well, people really didn't know who Mark Tressman was. Uh, and Mark, not only that, Mark Tressman really did not want to go on camera and 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 talk about. And he doesn't he doesn't like to talk a lot. But <laughs> so I in uh, in Tampa Bay, who did they promote more when when like when they cut to the sidelines? Who were they showing Tressman or they were showing the offensive coordinator, right? Yeah, um, it, it was. It was a little awkward, I think, um, yeah. you know, and and 
the same with Jim Zorn in Seattle. I mean, he right. was he was kind of an awkward guy who um, maybe didn't fit what the XFL wanted to do then and wants to do now, which is exploit the personalities of these coaches. You know, they're going to be mic'd up. They're they're going to be they're going to go behind the scenes with these head coaches. So you need someone who has a personality who is willing to put it out there uh, to be put on camera as often as they likely will be. Right. Well, it'll be interesting. You know, we could talk about this a lot. We go back to XFL 2001 because there was some interesting coaches that they put on the field for that league as well. But let's move forward. Uh, now, it looks like the XFL is still working on a stadium deal for Las Vegas. Now, what are their options there? Well, you've got Allegiant uh, Stadium, which is where the Las Vegas Raiders will play. It's a new stadium. Uh, that's That's got to be their goal. And... I don't know why they were not able to announce it. Um, I don't know how close they are to getting a deal there. Uh, there could be some complications with getting into Sam Boyd Stadium, which is where the Outlaws played in 2001. It's probably, even if they could play there, which I'm not sure they can, it's not ideal given the age of the stadium and, and the upkeep it would take to, to get it um, to where it probably needs to be refurnished to, to host um a full season of, of XFL games. You've got a lot of smaller arenas that host other sports uh, in and around Las Vegas, but I don't know if any of them are really big enough to hold a, mm-hmm. a professional football team um, like Las Vegas will be. You know, do they have room for a 100-yard field and in one of these arenas? Do they have room necessary for the sidelines? You know, Alamo Dome's 60,000-seater. You know, they can do it there. But these are all, you know, under 20,000-seat arenas. And, uh, you know, for for field goals and, and punts, are they going to hit the ceiling of these of these arenas? So there's a lot of question about the size of these arenas. So really it comes down to... Allegiant Stadium or bust, I think, at this point. And so um, not sure what the holdup is, not sure how long that holdup is. It's kind of interesting. I think it's probably coincidental more than anything else that uh, Rod Woodson is coaching in Las Vegas and he is the only head coach whose coordinators have still not been announced. And now his home stadium is also the only one that has not been announced. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Hopefully that gets resolved here pretty quickly. So we should be watching that. See to see what happens and, and whether whether the XFL has to make a change. Uh, hope hope not, and hope they maybe they get a deal with Allegiant and, and and just move forward. But it seems to me, it strikes me that that may be the thing that was sticking in their and uh, holding up their announcement. I mean, it could be. And the one thing you also have to look at is they started taking season ticket deposits. So if they end up going somewhere else than Las Vegas, at least for this year, while they get the stadium, if they can't get the stadium situation sorted out and they have to move to an alternate location, at least for a year, uh, all of a sudden they're having to refund those season tickets uh, deposits Mm -hmm. for people who thought that they were going to be going to games in Las Vegas. And I, I don't think that would be a good look for a league trying to establish itself. Yeah, that would be a total disaster. Uh, going back to 2001, when the XFL was planning to go to San Jose, and they switched up to go to Spartan Stadium, right? Spartan Stadium, right. Yeah. And they, they switched <laughs> up when they were able to get into Pac Bell Stadium in downtown San Francisco. They switched up to that. Now, mind you, that's 
that's not that far down the road for folks in San Jose. But right, uh, so you, so you look at if they can't get into Allegiant Stadium, what area yeah. would be close enough to Las Vegas to where maybe they wouldn't have to refund season tickets and they could say, okay, we're moving down the road to this city, which is still within a reasonable distance for these people to drive. I don't know that there's mm-hmm. a lot around um, as far as alternative sites around right. Vegas. Right. Or they spend a whole lot of money uh, getting Sam Boyd Stadium ready, which would probably cost some money to get it ready. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let's let's keep an eye on that. Let's definitely keep an eye on that. Now, going back to the going forward to the showcases are going back because there was a fine. The final showcase was yesterday mm-hmm. and uh, had an interview with uh, running back Steve McShane. And he told me that it was very, very hot, that they were uh, a lot of guys had uh, heat uh, uh, cramps. And uh, he said, but they got through the showcase and he was very happy with his performance. One of the points is The Rock keeps referring to player 54 and telling his own story of being rejected by the NFL as a footballer. As a marketing angle, this player 54 thing, is is it succeeding for the XFL? It's early, so it's hard to say. I I think it's a good hook, and I think it's a way to make The Rock relatable and explain why he's doing this. You know, why is the biggest movie star in America taking such a chance on, I mean, honestly, a damaged product, the XFL? And this story of his kind of explains that. And it also explains why, you know, how he's relating to these players that he's trying to recruit. He's telling his own story of of failure, of not being able to make the NFL, being told that he's not good enough. So it's almost more of a story to attract players than it is to attract fans, I think, Um, because, you know, it's sort of and he's told this to the players at the showcases and things like that as a way to get them motivated, keep them hungry, let them know that he's one of them. He understands the plight that they're going through and he wants to make a league that is um, compassionate to that and, and give these guys a place to play because he didn't have that in America. He had to go to the CFL to play. So I think he's very cognizant of that, and and I think it's almost a way to draw players as much as it is a way to attract fans. Although they obviously have been using that story every time Dwayne Johnson gets in front of a mic and talks about the XFL, as we know, um, that's that's a story that he tells. I guess I've heard it many times now, and frankly, I'm not tired of it. I did read online where some people said, "Hey, I'm getting tired of that," but uh, of course. If you hear something enough times, you will get tired of it. But the players hear it at the showcases, so they're not tired of it. And uh, you know what? The ones I've talked to, they love it. They eat it up. It's like, this is me. I want to make a roster. I want to play. I get that we're going to see more of Player 54 going forward. Uh, maybe when uh, when the XFL comes out with their reality programming related to the league, that might be a theme in that in that story. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's the XFL is going to do a lot to 
recruit just you know hearing doug whaley talk at various points uh you know and he's in charge of sort of recruiting players to the xfl and and building the draft pool um they're going to heavily target players who are cut from nfl training camps Mm -hmm. at the end of august at the beginning of september so um you know that that story of being the 54th guy i think they hope resonates with some of those players who don't make nfl teams don't make practice squads those guys will all be player 54s if they've been cut from an NFL roster, technically. Yes. <laughs> technically. Uh, yeah, so it's interesting. Now the uh, showcases are finished, and we're, we keep hearing, and we're hearing about players getting invitations to the draft. Uh, lots of players went to the showcases. Not as many will get invitations, and that's the nature of the, of the, of the deal, I think. So how many players do you think can expect draft invites generally and and will the xfl continue to recruit candidates all the way up to this fall's draft and how will they do that yeah i believe doug whaley uh said that they will be building the draft pool up until the week before the draft so you know Mm -hmm. from now until November, they're going to be building that draft pool based on, you know, showcases, based on players that get cut in training camp for the NFL, based on players that are cut from CFL rosters uh, or are free agents in that league, based on players who uh, play in indoor football leagues and and other alternative uh, places, players who are cut from the USFL um, and, and things like that. So, uh, you know, there's going to be a constant stream of players like that. Uh, the, there's always roster churn, not only in the NFL, but in all of these other leagues. So you're constantly seeing new players become available throughout the months. And I don't think the XFL wants to cut itself off from acquiring good players to put in that player pool. So, you know, you may get an NFL player who gets cut from training camp in August and the XFL invites them to the draft pool and they say, you know what, I want to hang out a little bit. I want to continue to work out for NFL teams, you know, wait for an injury to happen and then, you know, sign with an NFL team. Well, come mid to late October. And if they haven't been signed, they may decide that, you know, okay, I'll take the XFL up on its offer. I'm not getting the workouts. I'm not getting signed to practice squads. You know, let's take the XFL route. So, you know, it may be a late decision by some of these players. Um, and it would be foolish for the XFL to set a cutoff date before then to say, you know, we've got these good players who are available to us, but we don't want to take them because we set this cutoff date. Exactly. I and mean, I think there is no cutoff date, frankly. A reason they will send draft invites to players is to kind of reserve them, saying, well, the XFL is interested in you, uh, which will stop them from thinking about other leagues or maybe. Oh, yeah, that, that doesn't necessarily preclude them if a guy uh, gets invited and even accepts the invite um, to yeah. being part of the XFL draft pool, say, in July. I don't think that precludes them from continuing to look for NFL work. Uh, so, you know, I think once they get drafted, once they get tied to the league with a contract, then, you know, they, they may be um, they may not be able to to look for NFL work, depending on how the contracts work. And mm-hmm. we'll get more about that um, in the Zoom meeting that Doug Whaley and, and others are holding um, on Monday night. But, um, you know, that's I don't think that's going to stop players from from looking for NFL yeah. work the summer. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, players are, I mean, they're looking, they're, they have certain opportunities that they would always take, and NFL work is one of them. Um, 
like the last XFL, uh, the draft list was set in the days before the draft. But when the draft days came, there was a whole lot of players drafted that were not on those lists. In other words, they had just become available or or uh, a team had made them available at the last minute and they were drafted into the XFL. So it was a real uh, crapshoot, if I can use that word, <laughs> during that draft. And it was interesting, if you're a player-focused uh, fan, to watch that, to see the players that were drafted that were, the, you know, that the XFL teams were able to corner and get into the, their rosters was quite interesting. And even then, the rosters changed after the draft, and they were in flux. Of course, there's a supplementary draft to top up rosters. And even in the weeks uh, before the league started, teams were still bringing players in, signing players they needed to fill out their rosters. So there's a real, a chur- they call it a churning of, of rosters. Mm-hmm. The rosters were churning. Man, do I expect that this time? But with the USFL competing for players, I expect it even more this year. There'll be a lot of players moving back and forth here and there at the last minute. Right. I, I don't know how much it's going to have to do with the USFL at that time, that December, January time period, because I don't know what USFL rosters are going to look like at that time and how much, how in flux those rosters are going to be. But certainly for the NFL, I mean, you reach the end of the season, NFL teams are signing players to futures contracts, um, free agents who were maybe uh, waiting for futures contracts and didn't get signed could look to the XFL uh, as a way to continue to show their wares to NFL teams, you know, guys who are on practice squads at the end of, we saw this with the XFL in 2020 guys who were on practice squads at the end of NFL seasons who are not signed to futures contracts become free agents and they may opt to play for the XFL. So that roster churn uh, that time of year is still happening for NFL teams and those players become available to the XFL. They may decide that the XFL is, is something that they want to partake in. But as you said, You've also got the USFL. So in 2020, it was kind of XFL or bust for some of these players. And now they have that choice. If you get done with an NFL season being on a practice squad and you need a physical and mental break, uh, you may want to sign with the USFL because you get a little bit of a break before you go back into football season. But if you you know, want to get right back into it and show X, uh, NFL teams that, that you have what it takes, you may opt to go right into the XFL season right after the NFL. I think for sure there's going to be it's going to be exciting because there's a lot more competition for players this year with the other leagues. Now, do you think there might be an issue for the XFL to sign quality quarterbacks this time around? I think that's always going to be an issue. Um, Certainly the presence of the USFL does not help. But, you know, I've written about it before on XFL board about how important quarterback play is for a Mm -hmm. league. I've looked at all the NFL training camp rosters in terms of quarterback depth charts and look to see who might be candidates to lead XFL teams in 2023. So certainly I I acknowledge 100% the importance that quarterbacks play in the success of an alternative league like the XFL, but the USFL is the same way. You know, they're not, they're not dumb. They, they understand the importance of quarterbacks as well. So they're going to be out there recruiting the same quarterbacks the XFL is. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be a real dogfight between these two leagues, not only for players, but for, for quarterbacks as well. Yeah, for sure. I think the, your analogy of a dogfight is probably pretty accurate because it's going to be, you know, it's there's going to be a lot of dogs fighting for the same thing. 
fighting for the same bone as as you might uh, allude to. <laughs> and of course, the CFL is also has a bit of a quarterback crisis going this year with with injuries. And I mean, they're always looking for quarterbacks as well. Uh, so yeah, more competition. It'll be more exciting. But keep in mind, as you know, there's so many players that are looking for an opportunity. It just might be harder for the XFL to find the quality players that they want. Sure. Um, and it all depends on the pay structure, all depends on the contract, uh, all depends on, you know, there's a lot of variables at work here. You know, what's their pitch to quarterbacks who might be free agents um, and, and, and everything like that. So quality quarterback play is imperative. And I think uh, from conversations that I've had with with Doug Whaley, I think he understands that. And so it'll be really interesting to see to what lengths the XFL goes to recruit those quarterbacks who could really be difference makers in the XFL in terms of quality of on-field play. Well, I look forward to the next, the coming weeks and months. There's always more news, XFL news and excitement to come. Uh, frankly, Greg, I'm, I'm, I'm a little disappointed that I have to, we have to do this all over again uh, because we did this, we did this three years ago. I know. Uh, anticipate the league and we talked about a lot of these same topics three years yep. ago and, and we're doing it over again but I guess we're, we're good at it now we've got it kind of figured out uh, now, you, don't you we? know there is something magical about a blank slate and a league and being there from the ground up for the building of a league and being there every step of the way and projecting the things that you want to see in a league onto what you believe that league will be. There is some magic to that, but having gone through this three times now, I, I, I hope I never have to go through it. Yeah, I don't think I will. I, I think if this XFL fails, it'll be the last time. I, I don't think they can resurrect it under new ownership or, or anything like that again. So uh, one way or another, Mark, this is going to be the last time we, we talk about, um, the growing pains and the steps in creating a league the way we're doing it now. One way or another, this is the last time. <laughs> well, I won't hold you to that because you never, okay. never say never is always true. Yeah. Uh, but uh, thank you for coming out today and, uh, and giving us your point of view on the XFL, Greg. We always appreciate your, uh, uh, what you have to say about the league. Thank you. Absolutely. Love talking XFL with you, Mark. Always happy to be here with you. Great. Now, people can follow you, obviously, on Twitter at Greg M. Parks, right? You got it. Okay, follow Greg, and you won't be disappointed. Oh, There's boy, a that's that's a, that's a high standard I have to meet now. <laughs> yep, you're, you're already fulfilling that standard, and keep in mind, as Greg likes to point out, that if you follow him, you'll, you'll get a little bit of uh, wrestling content as well, but it's all good. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Thanks again to my guests, Steve McShane and Greg Parks. It was great to catch up with Steve and hear how he hasn't given up on his dreams. Also, it is always wonderful to hear from Greg, a smart sports analyst whose football acumen is unmatched among his peers. I hope you enjoyed today's interviews. You are more welcome to come back next time, where we will have more guests and more XFL. Until next time, this was your host, Mark Nelson, and I hope you enjoyed XFL Extra. 
the XFLboard.com podcast. Mm-hmm.